This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Kenyan Wall Street Podcast. My name is Ali and I'll be your host today. So with me, I have Lindy Farisani, who is the head of equity sales at UBS South Africa, a board member at UBS South Africa and an Eisenhower Fellow. Today we'll talk about a little bit about women at the workplace, looking at how we will bridge the gender gap in leadership. Welcome to the show, Lindy. Hi, Ali. Thanks for having me. And hello, everyone. Hi. So I'm going to start right off. What are some of the barriers that undermine the proper representation of women in corporate leadership? Um, I think there's a number of barriers. I think, um, you know, from an African perspective, I would highlight one of the biggest issues is still the issue of patriarchy. Um, a lot of us exist in spaces that are predominantly dominated by men. Um, and this still comes from, you know, back in the days when women were obviously expected to stay at home um, and has led itself to even the current um, environment where men still have that expectation and take it to the office, despite the growth in the number of women currently working in offices. Um, so this has led to um, men generally not being inclusive um, when it comes to meetings, um, making sure that women are well represented, making sure that they have the same opportunities as everybody else. Um, sometimes this is not done intentionally, unfortunately. It just comes as, um, you know, one of the biases that come with the, uh, the structure of our countries and our traditions um, that we have. The other reason is less to do about the outside, but also to do about us as women. Uh, so a lot of us grow up not only in those environments where we expect it to be uh, more domestic, um, but we also have certain leadership traits that are a little bit more um, on the softer side, for lack of a better word, uh, which in a corporate environment may undermine our representation. For example, instead of speaking up for ourselves, uh, we may worry that we don't want to um, cause any problems and, and shake things up. So we remain um, isolated and reserved um, even when we have things to say. Um, sometimes in a board meeting, for example, women may not feel comfortable um, you know, expressing their views and concerns about uh, certain things that are being debated um, in, you know, in the board meeting, uh, which may also undermine not only their leadership capability, but their overall presence um, in, in the uh, corporate environment. Um, so these things, you know, between social structures, um, you know, and social biases that come both on the male and the female sides, I think uh, together they tend to undermine, um, you know, the proper representation of women in, in corporate leadership. Um, and it's not just, uh, you know, main men alone that are responsible and in, or entirely for that matter. I think we as women as well have certain social issues that are, um, you know, intrinsic to our structure that also make it a little bit difficult for us to gain the kind of, um, of leadership and representation that we should be having. Um, but we are making strides and I think the world is increasingly discussing these things and hopefully we can uh, see more representation um, and more 
um, you know, outspokenness for women uh, representation, both from the male and the female side. I'm happy you mentioned a few things on, on both cultural and, and social aspects that act as a glass ceiling that prevent women from rising up in leadership. Do you feel like we have um, corporate policies or issues that might also undermine women in leadership? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think obviously it varies from company to company, but you know, in most companies, um, the policy or sort of uh, the framework that guides the corporate environment may not necessarily be accommodative uh, to either the lifestyles of women or even engender an environment that is um, that makes it easy for women to thrive. So, for example, you know, there might be, especially in places like investment banking where I work, um, it is not uncommon for us to work um, excessively long hours. Um, you know, if you have children that you need to pick up from school um, and things that you need to do for, as, a, as a mother, that might hinder your growth um, because you might not be able to stay the prescribed time um, that's necessary at the office. Um, and that's not always the case. You know, there are plenty of women who do that successfully. But what I'm trying to say is that the environment itself may not be cognizant of those different um, things that may drive different behavioral or needs uh, for, for women versus men. Um, you also have, you might have an environment where um, the internal policies in terms of how people communicate with each other don't necessarily drive a, a comfortable environment for women. Um, once again, I will use an example of, you know, I, I don't know if your listeners know much about trading floors, but, you know, if you go into a trading floor globally, uh, those are renowned to be quite cutthroat environments where people's language is often uh, very much off the cuff. People say what they want. They use words that um, might sometimes make people feel uncomfortable, um, not only from a gender perspective, but just generally, you know, as it might be for religious reasons as well, but you know, there's a, a general sense of, of um, not caring, um, if I may use that word, um, in terms of people's feelings. And I think it's important that a lot of banks or corporates um, realize those nuances which come from back in the days and have you know, grown to become the culture and representation of these structures, um, to take a look and say, actually, does is this conducive to a proper working environment and or an environment that is inclusive and that makes all people uh, feel rep well represented um, and oftentimes you might find that's not the case um, but most corporates I think are lagging in in taking uh, those notes and and making sure that from a behavioral perspective um, that there's actually change and that requires a lot of policy change that requires a culture change um, within corporates, um, and some are doing that better than others, but I think generally we have a long way to go, um, and those policies still need to be driven by management team teams uh, together with, uh, you know, the staff and, and HR environments um, in those countries, in those corporates rather, excuse me. Uh, that's okay. I think, I think you've given my, my listeners a challenge of a bit to go read more about trading flows. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, but um, going going forward with that, uh, what what are some of the cultural um, changes that could perhaps make uh, the corporate environment more accommodative to women? 
in the, especially in the banking and the finance sector? I think there's quite a few. I mean, as I mentioned already, uh, you know, things like language, I think, uh, could go a long way in how people talk to each other. So it's not just the choice of words, but, you know, um, how you talk to someone. Um, you know, a lot of women already come with a sense of, uh, and this is not all women. Um, some women obviously have the so-called thick skins, but some may come with a little you know, from cultures where they, they're expected to be a little bit more demure. So for them to be abrasive or to be outspoken might be a little bit difficult. And therefore, if, they, if their male counterparts are exactly that, it may be difficult for the women to, to show up for themselves. Um, and I think corporates need to be cognizant of these things and try to neutralize the working environment in a way that promotes uh, dynamism in conversation and does not um, make people feel that they can't be outspoken or say what they want because other people are more colorful um, in terms of their leadership styles than, than, than they may be. Um, and I think that's a very difficult balance to, to find because you know, some environments do thrive in, in um, you know, being able to shoot off the cuff uh, for, you know, and, and, and say what you want whenever you want. But I think um, those, you know, how, what comes out can be uh, modified in, in a way that is, is a little bit more inclusive and tolerant uh, for that matter. Um, the other cultural changes are more about um, things like thinking more proactively about your working hours, right? Um, you do, does the person need to be here at 8 a.m. or can they take their child to school? What does that do to productivity? And I think one of the interesting things that has happened, um, especially in the current environment with COVID, is that it has shown that actually you can have productivity and still be, um, you know, in, and, and still include some sort of either people working from home or still taking care of their children. Um, I mean, one of the stats that you, or constant um, phrases that you hear is um, on corporates talking about how they've not seen a decline in productivity during this time. And yet we know that during this time, a lot of women um, have been homeschooling their children. We know that they have been taking care of their kids. Um, it does mean that there's been an extra burden to them, but it also shows that when we come out of this, um, there's no reason why corporate leaders should not be have a more inclusive model um, where they allow parents uh, to stay at home when necessary, um, as we've seen now that it doesn't necessarily lead to a decline in productivity. So I think those things need to be a little bit more commonplace and come with the idea of trying to um, understand that uh, women have bigger, tend to have bigger responsibilities beyond the workplace um, and for corporate leaders to include that and not see it as a, as a punishment to women um, but, the, but rather create environments where they can thrive in the corporate space and be recognized for promotions while still have, being able to do um, their duties at home. And I think women are capable of, of, uh, of doing that. It's just a matter of perception generally in the office that, you know, when you're taking your kids to school, you're not working. Um, and that's not the case. Uh, so we need those cultural shifts to take place. Um, and it comes once again from the board um, as well as from management teams to say, wait a minute, um, does this work? You know, how can we make sure that our women are able to thrive in the office um, while still doing the other responsibilities as mothers or sisters or whatever the case might be? 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sure we're both happy that um, the pandemic has sort of equalized the, the playing field. But do you feel like there's a greater need to push for policies, more of um, in a nationwide or international-wide platform that could guide sectors and therefore make it more equal for women to participate in the workplace and therefore move in top leadership positions? Sure. I mean, I, I, I absolutely. I think that there's definitely a need for not just uh, corporates, but I, I think this is a conversation that needs to be to take place at the national or even international stage. Um, you know, the fact that um, you know, if you look at the stats, um, I, I don't have the exact numbers in on, in my head, but you know, they talk about how a lot of women drop out of the workplace as soon as um, you know they start having children for example, um, first of all, because they need to go on maternity leave, but also because when they come back, most um, work environments don't make it easy for women to return to the workplace. There's no, uh, you know, if you miss close to a year of working, um, there's no program to kind of get you back. So you lose a, a certain period of your work um, time frame, and they also lose out on things like promotions. You lose out on um, you know, you tend to lag your male peer, who might also be a dad, but because, you know, they, didn't, they don't obviously go on maternity leave um, in the same way, at least not, um, so they don't have those pressures. So I think internationally, there needs to be a little bit more creativity as to how, um, and, and we've just taken it for granted that, oh, this is how it is. Um, but it doesn't have to be like that, right? Like we have as human beings um, overcome a lot of institutional barriers before. And I think this is not an insurmountable barrier. We can sit down together uh, internationally and come up with ways of bringing women back into the office that makes them um, you know, still accelerate within their careers and still um, and not lag uh, their male counterparts as tends to be the case just because they took time off um, to have children or whatever the case might be. So from a policy perspective, I do certainly feel that the international environment has been lazy when it comes to women issues. I think that um, we've just taken it for granted that women have to adapt to the system as it is. Um, and I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that the system has to be reflective of the demographics. And as things stand, most of the time, women, at, at the very least 50% of the company or of most uh, national censuses. So how do we then reframe the workplace to make sure that it is representative of the other 50% is an important um, conversation that we need to have um, in both national and international platforms. And what we might find is that we might see an increase in productivity because suddenly you don't have women not coming back to the workplace after they've given birth uh, because they know that there's a system in which that they can use, um, which will see to it that they accelerate and not feel like, you know, they're being left behind or, um, you know, that they've got 10 years of experience, but now they're stuck with people who have two years of working experience because they took some time off. Um, you know, those things are, are definitely, that can, can be dealt with uh, if we put our minds to it. So uh, there's absolutely great need for, for those conversations to be had in the international stage. Thank you so much for sharing that. And uh, as we finish, I understand that you will be one of the panelists in the Africa Regional E-Conference for Leading Women in Banking and Finance? Yes. 
what are some of the things that we expect you to talk about in the conference? Um, I think some of the things that you will hear me talk about, um, I mean, my panel will mostly be dealing with issues around obviously what we're talking about now, women, but mostly in terms of what we women can do for ourselves. Um, so some of the things that uh, your listeners can expect to hear are some of the strategies that, um, you know, that my mentors and myself have used um, over the years of my working career to rise up to the level that I'm in. Um, you know, being a board member for UBS South Africa is, is no child's play. Um, and it does require not just intellect, um, but also uh, personality-wise, you know, the ability to, 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 to speak out and, and to understand one's working environment quite well. Um, so I think I will be sharing some of those um, attributes that have allowed me to rise to this level, but also, you know, touch upon things that I've learned from other people. Um, I think one of the things that one, I've, you know, taken big takeaway and which I'm sharing now uh, throughout my working career is the importance of having um, a dynamic advisory circle as an individual that you can touch upon to guide you as you rise up the corporate ladder. Um, it's important for women and any individual for that matter to see themselves as a mini corporate and drive yourself as a mini company. Um, that way, everything that you do, you know, you've got a strategy, you've got a board, um, you've got, you know, you can go back and see if things were yielded the results that you wanted. And I think by driving your career in that manner, um, you might see better outcomes than uh, perhaps uh, being a little bit more passive. But yeah, so those will be the, some of the things that I'll be sharing and, uh, and I look forward to engaging with the other panelists on that. We look forward to hearing more from you. I am specifically curious in driving yourself as a corporate. Now, I understand the importance <laughs> of strategy, but <laughs> I never thought of um, having mentors and having guidance as having a board, honestly. It is the same. It is, you know, and, um, you know, and I think you find that the more successful, to get successful outcomes, you need to be more transparent with your mentors, right? If you go to your mentors and tell them that I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z, it's easier for them to be to provide you with the guidance that you need if you have transparency and you tell them where you are, where you're trying to go. Um, that's no different from being in a board. You know, boards are driven by transparency. Um, the company needs to reveal its financials. It needs to talk about its strategy. Um, it's just, you know, a microcosm of, uh, of a company when you really think about it. Um, and having it structured that way makes you a little bit more intentional about what you want your outcomes to be. Um, and as in a corporate, not everything will be perfect, but at least you've got a clear line of where you're trying to go or who you can rely on if things don't go the way that you want. And I think that's very, very important um, for a successful career. It is, it is. I will look forward to it. And I, I, I imagine my listeners also look forward to the discussion. <laughs> I hope so. I look forward to having you guys um, listen in as well. All right. Um, we're going to end the episode there. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. For more information on what Lindy will be sharing, join the e-conference on leading women in banking and finance in conference to engage Lindy and other leaders in the African and global finance space and learn more on breaking barriers, redefining leadership, and how to make the corporate environment 
more inclusive for women. Of course, we'll also learn how to have board members in your life. Lindy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for listening in. All right. Goodbye. Cheers.